Hey, Fisherman Don! Hey, Professor Collins. Dude, did you see all the new previews for Pokemon Sword and Shield? Yeah, man, I'm hyped. Well, let me tell you what. The stars, they look like Digimon. The designs are not creative, and the maps, well, they're right, just right, boring. Right, where's the buttons? And, where's the and buttons? you know what? It's not even... Alright, guys, so welcome to the show. Hope you guys had a great time with... Uh, Professor's little rant. Anywho, before we get started, obviously there's big Pokemon news. We're gonna definitely go over it, but we do have some science news first, and to be honest, it's not happy science news, which kind of bums me out. Uh, so recently, the American president's um, administration, Mr. Trump, decided that to counter climate change findings from his own government, so from the United States government, he's going to be putting a panel to refute climate change. Uh, climate change science so this is done his defense is that uh, well we should always make sure we should verify but the thing is this is dangerous we can literally pull up documents from over a hundred years ago stating how climate change is a major issue this shouldn't be political i hate that this is political we shouldn't be arguing whether climate change is real or not we should be arguing the best ways to fight it oh my lord it is ridiculous you know Recently, uh, Kai Rizdahl and Molly Wood of NPR uh, and the Make Me Smart podcast, which is like one of my favorites, check it out if you uh, like economics or technology. Uh, they interviewed the creator of Drilled podcast, which is also amazing, uh, Amy Westervolt. Um, if you get a second, listen to Drilled podcast. Westervolt goes through and breaks down uh, the campaign meant to prevent environmental policy from being enacted. So it's literally like a 40-year history. It treated it like a true crime podcast. It's really cool. Um, I binged the entire thing. It was awesome. But like this panel is being assembled because it's not that they don't believe in the science. It's being assembled because there's a profit for someone. And I'll post links to the uh, in on our Facebook and the show notes here for what's going on. All right, guys. Well, I'm going to take the big positive news this time. Gen 8's here. We got new starters. We got a new region. We got Pokemon Show Sword and Pokemon Shield this November for the Switch. I am hyped beyond measure. Oh my god, I'm loving this! Yeah, I want to clarify the opening segment was a joke making fun of people. I am like super stoked. <laughs> the graphics are awesome, the starters, I love them, and the memes the internet has generated <laughs> are... Scottish people are great. <laughs> you know what, mate? You want to have a go? Fought me Charmander! Bring it on, then! I love it. I love it. Yes! <laughs> yes. Love it. Oh, God. Hey, uh, you know what, though? What? I won our bet. No. No. If our listeners remember, early on, I bet you that we are going to go to the UK. And I said there were hints... And knowing where Japanese people like to travel, I called Great Britain. Okay, I will pay up. I owe you one consent of the team. But for those of you who don't believe how much Japan loves England and how right he was, Hello Kitty, her character is actually her bio is from England, not Japan. Oh, Kitty White. Kitty White is an eight-year-old English girl. Um, <laughs> goodness. And her sister's name is Mimi White. Don't ask how I know that. I NPR. don't want to know. Not only did I call the region right, though, I called the Fire Bunny. Which, coincidentally, is the influence for this entire episode. Uh, are, are we doing another culture one? I thought we were... No, that we... No, you know what? I have a, no, uh, so I have a pretty good hunch for the final evolution, what it's going to be based on. But I need to make my point first with generations one through seven. Okay. Can we talk about Tepig first? Because it's... Yeah. Uh, you know what? We'll get... <laughs> 
We'll get to Tepig. Let's just go ahead and start the segment. So, I know you guys have talked about it before, but let's make it clear. Pokemon is based on real-life locations. Durr, uh, Japan loves Japan. Like, 100%. We've talked about this in great depth. The Kanto region is, wait for it, the Kanto region of real-world Japan. The maps line up appropriately, locations match. This trend continued for the rest of the series. Hell, even Ore is based on a real location. What's Ore? Uh, Phoenix, Arizona, actually. I had no idea that was that. Yep, yep. The, tr- the truth is that Pokemon spends several years, up to like six years, establishing geography, culture, and folklore of any given region. They do their homework really well, actually. So anyone who has listened to our episodes can tell you that. We've pointed out how in-depth things can get. So if they spend this much time planning for their games, we should expect things to line up with the real world pretty pretty well, right? Yeah, I mean, our episode on, on Unova, uh, Unova, Unova, uh, I, I went into a lot of depth on this. I mean, in the original games, currency literally was just yen. Japanese people love Japan. So the locations they picked are locations that they love. It, it, I mean, it's not trying to be a bad state saying Japanese people love Japan. So, okay, so where, where are we going with this tonight? So I want to talk about the mythologies and how predictable some of this is getting. I'd like to point out that we can expect, you know, what I expect we're going to see in the new games too, and I want to make sure we just do remind our listeners a few things. One, that up until now, all water starters have been amphibious animals, meaning that they spend time on land and water. So I'm predicting that our final evolution here is going to have some influences from the blue iguanas and the Galapagos. You know, the the uh, iguanas that literally go and eat seagrass. Ah, the marine iguanas. Fascinating yes. creatures. I, I even eat seagrass. I, I'm pretty sure that's where they're going. That said, all fire Pokemon have two links. The first being the Chinese Zodiac. We all know that. Now, it doesn't mean it's always a perfect fit in the way that us Westerners would imagine, but there's a link there, so we're going to look at that today. I do want to make the other claim, though, that all fire starters have ties to some sort of mythology. And I hope I'll prove my point by the end of this episode. So I'll let you start off, Don. So yeah, let's start off with Charizard. Um, Charizard's clearly based off the Year of the Dragon and the Chinese Zodiac. It's a dragon. I don't care what its typing says. It still it, it does its best to be a dragon, <laughs> and then it megas, and then it gets to best. be a dragon. It, it just so Charizard, Charizard, it looks like this your stereotypical European dragon. You know, guards Princess Fiona, helps out Shrek, knights <laughs> final. <laughs> Considering the lizard basis of its pre-evolutions and the Japanese and English nomenclature, Charizard's draconic design may be a reference to how various types of lizards are named after dragons, such as the Komodo dragon, the flying dragons. There's two categories of lizards with which Charizard shares at least some loose physical similarities. So for me, the absolute funniest thing about any mythology, the one bit of mythology I know about salamanders is how they got related to fire. So people used to get really cold at winter time. It was just rough times and they would throw logs into the fire and all of a sudden salamanders would come running out as fast as they could. And to them, they thought it was abiogenesis, the idea that life can come from nothing. Now that idea was obviously disputed. What was actually happening was salamanders were hibernating in logs during the winter. So when you take a log with a salamander in it, and then you just throw it in the fire. <laughs> how, how do you think it's gonna react? No, no, no shh. It came from the log, Lucas. 
No, no. We, we also are not advo advocating throwing salamanders <laughs> in the fires either. No, it's, it's one of those things. Like, mythology is always based on these massive loot. Sometimes it's just a bunch of guys. So let's just use the British accent for earlier. Oi, did that salamander didn't have over there for their fire? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it did. I think the fire gave birth to it. Fantastic. <laughs> Oh, really right you are. <laughs> right, yes, yes. Alright, uh, so, yeah. I mean, Charizard, Charmander, pretty straightforward. Alright, so here's one that I think people are going to argue with, but I'm sorry. Uh, maybe read up your lore. Uh, Cyndaquil and Typhlosion. So let's restate something we've said in many episodes. So Pokemon are often based on multitude of things. These two are not the exception. So we've talked about Cyndaquil. I clearly think it has influence of the Echidna. Uh, and I've spoken about this in other instances. So there's also influences here of uh, uh, Tenrisidae. I don't know if I said that right. So like the family of animals that includes like shrews, which are kind of similar to mice. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Typhlosion, while it has some Badger influences, uh, let's not forget there are other influences here. So we've talked about this before, but let's go back to Princess Kaguya. Do you remember that? Tale of the Bamboo Cutter? That's Studio Ghibli? Yeah, yeah, and it's a famous Japanese piece of Japanese folklore. You know, Celestelia is based on Princess Kaguya, who is found in the bamboo, the story of the tale of the bamboo cutter. Uh, do you remember uh, that in the Ghibli movie and in the story, what Kaguya asked one of the suitors to bring her? Believe it or not, I don't. What was it? Uh, Cloth of the Fire Rat. My 90s anime sends it. That's Inuyasha, you swine! How dare you bring up my childhood? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I've been digging, and there are actually signs that this is an actual Chinese myth. The rat apparently was white, lived in volcanoes, and is valued for its fireproof fur. Well, I think that kind of fits here. We have a rat-like Pokemon that lives, you know, with fire. Huh. I guess that's simple enough. All right. Magical and Typhlosions is called the Volcano Pokemon. I mean, it does get eruption, and I wish if it was a little bit faster. It'd be so I think, I think it is a clear homage here to the fire rat. Okay. Fun Typhlosion fact, it has the exact same stats as Charizard, because... Lazy? Lazy? No real reason, but Lazy it does. <laughs> Alright, you have piqued my interest. Let's go with Blaziken. Okay, so to our chicken, Blaziken represent the year of the rooster, right? It's a chicken. Yes, glad to know that degree came to some use. Okay. <laughs> there are roots in several other mythical creatures. So the Basan is a yokai that is literally a giant chicken that, get ready, it breathes ghost fire. Literally a fire-breathing chicken. Okay, but it's not a chicken. It looks like more of a person wearing a bird suit. Ah, ah, happy you brought that up. I know an even better fit. So I'm going to butcher this, but I'm so sorry. The Karura, Karura, Karura? Kaurura. is a Japanese Hindu Buddhist creature that has the body of a human and the head of a bird. So it's related to, I, I'm sure you guys are going to know this when I say this, the Garuda. You may have heard of it before. Talking about Garudamon? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the giant bird of Hinduism, you know. Uh, but this bird here, the Karura, uh, is said to be a giant fire breathing. And it hunts, it's literally this bird human thing, and it hunts nagas and dragons. It's amazing, a fire ass bird. <laughs> fire so, ass bird? Yes. Fire -ass bird. Amazing, badass fire bird, but I said fire ass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it does sound like Blaze again. I'll give you that one. Okay, 
So, Jim Tarr and Infernape are clearly the year of the monkey, right? Infernape, Journey to the West, case solved, moving yes! on. We've talked about this before, too, and I love Journey to the West. One of, seriously, great story. But there's other issues here. As we discuss that Hinduism, uh, Buddhism, Shinto, and Chinese Japanese folklore, everything else in the region, they didn't evolve in a bubble, right? I mean, yeah, no. Every religion, Christianity and paganism, all these religions, we feed off each other to add more to our belief system. Okay, so yeah, Infernape has signs of Sun Wukong from Journey to the West, but there's also a few other things to note, too. First, there's the Hindu uh, Hanumaman. I hope I said that right. He's a follower of Rama, and he's said to be the lord of celibacy, so not my kind of God. <laughs> uh, he's depicted as being a monkey or a man with ape-like features or some sort of mixture. He's said to have roots in possibly older than Hinduism. So literally, this has been around in folklore for thousands of years. And I think that gives him first dibs. Uh, uh, okay, so what's with the fire then? Oh, he's immune to fire. He, he also represents things like self-control. And then in Indian culture, is said to have influenced the creation of the martial arts. Oh, okay, so there's there's a line there. There's a connection. Yeah, and I think, honestly, though, if you give uh, Infernape a staff, I, I really think, you know, it is uh, the Sun Wukong. And for those of you who don't know, Journey to the West is this ancient Chinese uh, novel about a Buddhist monk, Zhuang Zhang. I, I really hope I'm saying that right. It's been a long time. Uh, anyways, he travels in the Western regions. That is like the Central Asia, so like India. And he is, his job is to obtain these Buddhist sutras, these sacred texts. And he returns after these like trials and suffering. Um, I know Stephen Chow made a comedy movie about it a few years ago. It was, it was okay. Um, but the most noticeable piece of Chinese writing, it's one of the most noticeable notable pieces of Chinese writing of all time. It had influences on things like Dragon Ball, like the original Dragon Ball. Sun Goku is based on Sun Wukong. So the super strong, you know, it's the super strong silly monkey king. So, yeah. And, and, you know, that's only us at, you know, Gen 4 of of 8. Next? Alright, well, M. Boron Tepig, right? Oh, yes. Spicy pork, yes. Don, was he any good in competitive at all? Never. (laughs) Never once. I remember, I remember using him as a kid, and I found out he learned Scald, and you know, that's why Ambor used. Right? It didn't matter. He was fine with it. He was good with it. <laughs> uh, I know he can shoot fire out of his belly, so you shut <laughs> your mouth. And he apparently water out his nose. <laughs> that water's not coming out of his nose, veteran Lucas. <laughs> oh. Okay, wait, anyway. Ambor also has roots on journey from Journey to the West. Okay, I, I don't know the story, so I'm guessing there's some kind of pig demon. Zhu uh, I hope I said that one right as well. Uh, he's the pig demon. So, you know, the pig demon, it's a complex, his complex character in his novel. He like, he's like a terrible monster, but he's part human and part pig. And he often gets himself into a lot of trouble because he's like lazy, gluttonous, and he really likes pretty women and is very lustful. You know, and he gets jealous of Sun Wukong all the time and tries to like bring him down. So he's basically Wulong from Dragon Ball. Uh, other way around. Wulong is based on him. But yeah, as I said, the original Dragon Ball is very much based on Journey to the West. The manga stole many traits from all of the original characters from Journey to the West. Ken Sugimori has said that Tepig and that whole line and Embor, they're designed based on Chinese style. So it doesn't get more Chinese than one of the most famous Chinese novels of all time. Okay, so let's talk about Venikin and Delphox. All right, all right. I want to take this one. So I, I know a bit here, uh, Finnegan and Delphox are foxes, is, yeah. is apparent. Yeah. So foxes are a member of the canine family. So you're the dog. Bingo! And just like Vulpix and Ninetales, I'm guessing they're best on Kitsune. Correct again. 
and Kitsune are said to be magical, and they can use their magic to play tricks on people, and the fa fire they breathe is magical as well. Yeah. However, Delphox has roots in, in a few other things too. Many versions of witches and Japanese folklore have roots in making deals with magical creatures. Guess which one in particular I'm thinking about? All right, shot in the dark, dark, eh, shot in the dark here. I'm gonna say foxes. Yeah. So there are multiple ties to an animal that's seen as magical. I, I think that that really fits well. I think it also is important to know that it's in literally almost every single anime you'll ever find based on myth. Yeah. It is just one of those things. Yeah. It's more prevalent than a JoJo reference. But it's but it's because yeah, it's because how how prevalent it is in the culture. And I think again, understanding and recognizing Japanese culture makes these games so much easier to understand. No, they're really it's cool. Yeah. Uh, so the next one is going to be a hard of a stretch here, but we're going to talk about Litten and Incineroar. So Litten and Incineroar clearly represent you're the tiger, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they have more than just wrestling. Okay, go ahead. You ever heard of the Leviathan's Cross? In passing. All right, so it's an ancient alchemical symbol. It's, it's a double-tiered cross with an infinity loop at the bottom. It's similar to the pattern that Litten has, the Litten line has on their fur. I remember this. This was um, one of the um, old leaks back way back when of the day. We're bringing this up thinking it was going to be a poison type. Because of it. So what's the mystical tie then? Ah, the name. Leviathan. You know him, right? Yep. Good old preaching days in Bible school. So the cross ties into Satan, brimstone. It's in the Hebrew Bible, too. It's shown as... Satan that ties to the Antichrist. It's evil, it's terrifying, lots of bad stuff. Revelations is one heck of a read. Okay, but what's Incineroar's second typing? Oh, dark. Yep, it's an evil! Yeah, evil typing. Yeah, 100%. Huh. So, well, I feel like it fits really well. That's... Well, we've covered everyone. Okay, I guess okay. it's time to do what everyone else is doing Pokemon-related. Let's no. speculate. But we're not going to speculate. We're going to hypothesize... Ah, We're going to science. use science. All right, so we can see that each of these fire starters, you know, they have roots from the Zodiac. They clearly tie to the Zodiac, and then they have some sort of cultural root too, right? Yes. I do not believe this was a mistake. With that said, I'm going to make my predictions for our new friend. I think we're going to get a moon rabbit. Moon rabbit. Yeah, so there are several variations, uh, but in Japanese, Chinese, and Buddhist cultures, they all have references to a moon rabbit. Chinese cultures talk about one serving the immortals on the moon. They refer to it as a golden or jane rabbit. The Japanese believe that they make sweets on the moon. In Buddhist lore, there's a story of how this the, there were several animals, uh, an otter, a jackal, a monkey, and a rabbit. They practice charity on the day of the full moon. They find an old man starving. When the old man begged for food, the monkey gathered fruits from the trees. You know, uh, the otter collected fish, and the jackal, jackal wrongfully, uh, he pilfered a lizard, and you know, he, he wasn't very helpful. But the rabbit, all he knew how to do was gather grass, right? So he offered his own body. He threw himself into the fire the man had built. However, the rabbit wasn't burnt. The old man revealed himself to be Scott Sar Sakura. Oh, sorry, my my ugh, Sakura, Sakura, and he. You know, uh, this is a, a Buddhist deity who is viewed as a ruler of the heavens in Buddhist cosmology. And so what he did was, being touched by this rabbit, he drew the likeness of the rabbit on the moon. So it's interesting, again, we talk about these cultures don't evolve in a bubble. They all have these similar beliefs about a rabbit having ties to the moon. Yeah, it's a rabbit that can't be hurt by fire. Uh, yeah, I, you know, and it gets, it gets better. Go on. Okay, so the moon rabbit 
shows up in a lot of popular culture. Let me touch on that first. Games like Dark Cloud, uh, you know, shows like, or comics like uh, Sailor Moon. What's Sailor Moon's real name? I don't know. Usagi, what does that mean? What's it translate to? Bunny! Hooray! The princess (laughs) of the moon is literally named Bunny. Hmm. Yeah, but it gets even better. The idea of a moon rabbit is shows up fighting Sun Wukong in Journey to the West. And what's the one thing that could probably fight a fire fighting type? Yeah, so we've mentioned several times. So I have several thoughts about on what we're going to see in Gen 8, on the typings at least. All right, my first thought is that we're going to get this moon rabbit and it can have a few typings in mind. The first one, I think, is going to be fairy. Because the moon, and I think about moon blast, so it's tied to fairies already in the game. And I can think of it being tied to fairy typing too. I mean, a fire fairy rabbit would be amazing typing, and we could have a golden white rabbit representing this moon rabbit from Chinese culture. Got any other theories, just in case? Yeah, uh, people are going to hate me for saying this, but especially in the tie to Journey of the West, I think it's possible we'll have another firefighting type. Okay, now and, before, before you continue, it's going to sound like I'm vomiting, but... Uh, <laughs> but, I'm, okay, yeah, yeah, you know what? I wouldn't hate it, though. I loved the first two we got, and Embor is cool, but it's just not useful. But I love the first two. They play so different. Blaziken and Infernape are fun to use. You know, who's to say that this couldn't be something totally new with totally different movesets? All right. Well, you got something else that won't start a pitchfork and mob outside my house right. or yours? Yeah, what about ground or rock? Something to actually tie in with the actual moon. I mean, I know there's a vocal group hoping for fire and electric. I, I just don't see it happening. And I could be wrong. But either way, I'm so excited and hoping for this moon rabbit. I, I you know, I'm just I'm willing to wager again that we're going to get a moon rabbit. Well, to be quite honest, you provided more evidence than literally anybody else I've seen so far. It's usually just been, yo, man, that rabbit's sick. Let it kick a soccer ball. Which, again, if you haven't noticed yet, I would love oh. to feed it. What, what? Soccer in this game. I, you know what? I'm excited. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm, no, mate, it's football. You want to go? No, I'm sorry. I am... <laughs> This accent will not go away at all. I'm sorry. Right, let's wrap it up. <laughs> oh, good. Just step away from the memes for a little Bye. bit there. <laughs> all right. Another one down in the book. So, uh, Don, anything else you want to wrap up with before we close this sucker? Uh, yeah, well, two things. Um, first of all, uh, subscribe to the podcast iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you're listening right now, tell one friend, please, uh, so we can keep doing what we're doing. But I've got my own theories regarding the water starter coming up. All right. So I love reptiles, and I've noticed a lot of similarities um, in our wonderful moist boy Sobble with veiled chameleons. Um, they have the classic chameleon curled tail and veiled chameleons have a very pronounced crest on their top of their head much like Sobble does and yeah they're not aquatic and yes they change color based on mood and they don't turn invisible but the concept's there okay and yeah no no that's good we'll save it it's recorded so if you're right you're right and we can rub it in everyone's face all right now make sure if you guys are following us like our facebook page we've gotten a lot of new likes recently thank you so much for joining us follow us on twitter poke science and at pokemon science and on tweet twitter. us because we're going to start tweeting more <laughs> yeah so keep up to date on all of that news um also i got a recent note from one of our fans that it was hard to find our youtube stuff i will make that easier for you i promise yeah 
And if you have any questions or comments, please message us or leave yeah. us a comment. <laughs> yeah, we always do have our email, pokescience at yahoo.com. We've gotten some great emails and definitely some people supporting us, giving us ideas, and we really do appreciate everything you guys give us. And don't forget to leave a five-star review if you could. Yeah, and you know what? If you could do us a favor, prepare for the next episode. I have big announcements to make. Ha-ha. <laughs> big announcements. All right, everybody. Thank you much for coming. See you next time. Peace. See you.